Well, here we are. You know, whenever you start these things, you never know exactly how you're going to lead in. You never know what you're going to say. You never know what it's going to look like when you stand up here in the podium and you just have to look at it, all these wonderful faces. But honestly, this is probably my second favorite place to be with you guys. Uh, you know, we learn so much from each other. We can give each other so much wisdom and knowledge. And, uh, you know, I just, I just encourage you all to um, meet new people, talk about new things, uh, talk about different treatments that might work for you and your patients. Today we're going to do something uh, kind of unique, um, thinking outside the box. Everybody remembers in school, I'm sure, whenever your teacher would say, if you hear hoofbeats, right, don't think of a zebra, think of a horse. The only problem is there are zebras out there, right? We've all encountered them. There's a patient every once in a while that comes in and you're just like, how in the world did this get on my schedule? I can't find them in a book. Maybe there's one little blurb, you know, about them on some page. Can't find anything online. We're going to have a little bit of fun with some of those things today and some other just uh, presentations, or excuse me, you know, of uh, various disorders that are more common. Uh, to start off with, I've got two little videos, though, that I want you all to watch. Pay close attention. If you've seen them before, don't say anything about them. Don't give the answers. <clears throat> They're kind of interesting, and they put a little bit of groundwork for what we're going to be talking about here. He was there the first time, I promise. So one of those things, you know, your nurse presents a patient to you, comes out and says, hey, I got a guy in here for actinic keratosis. So you walk in, you're expecting to see a guy with actinic keratosis, right? Sometimes you don't see that. There's actually another little video here I want you all to take a peek at. So the point of this, you know, we're at a little bit of a disadvantage um, being PAs and not going through medical school and not going through a dermatology residency because when you're in those things, you get exposed. You get exposed to a ton of different things. You know, what this shows us right here is if you see it once, you're going to see it the next time. You're going to be able to catch it. You're going to be able to say, you know what, I did see that gorilla, but then something new comes along or a selective attention changes again, and we're gonna miss the girl leaving or the curtain changing color. So let's just take a, a peek at some things right here. Uh, I like the fact that nobody has got this in a book and y'all already know the answers. Most probably have, y'all haven't opened up your flash drive and already gone through it, so you don't know what it is. If you know what the answer is, I'd love to hear people say, yeah, that's so-and-so, that'd be kind of fun. It's okay, we can do that, we're all friends, right? Lady comes in, doc. I'm sorry, all the physicians in here, they all, they all call us Doc. I don't ask them to, but they call us Doc. Doc, I feel bad. I've got uh, all these sores coming up in my body. I've been in the hospital for a couple of weeks getting IV antibiotics. I've been on multiple rounds of penicillin, Clinda, da, 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 all this other stuff. And I got all these painful sores all over my body. Uh, have had a little bit of a low gray fever. Med list was a mile long of everything she had been on. She's got an opioid addiction. And uh, it also had some gastric bowel bypass type of a surgery. Uh, big, painful, swollen, tender, joints, but that was probably more related to her skin condition on top. This is actually later in therapy, if you can notice some of the minocycline staining on her hands, on the back of her hands. This was kind of controlled for her at this point. Uh, another nodule that kind of comes up. Big painful one here. We did intralesional, we did multiple topical medications, lots of different things trying to keep her under control. Everybody get that one? Sweet syndrome? If you haven't seen it, you will, okay? This is one of the more common ones. Sometimes they get fever, 
they get a leukocytosis, they get a peripheral, uh, you know, leukocytes, uh, tender erythematous papules, eroded plaques, biopsy demonstrates infiltration by neutrophils. So you're going to get a little biopsy and they're just going to see sheets of neutrophils under the microscope. Can be associated with malignancy 20% of the time, acute myeloid leukemia. So that's kind of the hard thing. Most of the time, it's nothing. Most of the time, some kind of inflammatory related condition. But you always got to worry about that malignancy. 15 to 1, female to male, good job ladies. Oral lesions can occur most commonly with hematologic disorders. Conjunctivitis, episcleritis can demonstrate pathogen. Everybody knows what pathogen is. You get a little ulcer, you get a little injury, and all of a sudden you heal uh, with more of the disease, a little bit more of like an ulceration. Extracutaneous involvement possible. There have been reports of it being in the brain, been reports of it in the lungs. Luckily, whenever it is in the lungs, it responds really good to uh, steroids. This is uh, an example of pathogen. You can see her original old um, surgical incision here. She actually had back surgery, uh, and uh, this is the it just took months to heal. Idiopathic, most of the time. Don't know what it is. Bunch of idiots trying to figure out the pathology. Hematopoietic malignancies, leukemias, like I said, acute myelogic, uh, myeloid leukemia, can be Hodgkin's disease, non-Hodgkin's, myeloma, T-cell lymphoma, <clears throat> breast GIGU, malignancy slightly increased in this. Inflammatory Disease Association. My particular patient here had rheumatoid arthritis uh, and had probably a little bit of a GI infection at the same time, but the, she kept coming back. It was very, very, very resistant for treatment. Some drugs caused it, trimethoprim, minocycline, multiple others. Uh, I hate diagnostic criteria. You know, there always seems like, gosh, I gotta memorize this stuff. This is an easy one though, and that's why I included it. You get tender, pain, tender painful nodules, Whenever you biopsy it, you're gonna see a bunch of neutrophils in it. Then you gotta have two of these minor ones, okay? Some kind of infection, vaccination, inflammatory disease. They're gonna feel bad. Then you can have three of these four of those lab values here, and they respond to steroids. So how these people will usually come in, they've got sores on their body, you biopsy it, uh, they don't feel good, and uh, you're gonna see newts under there, and all of a sudden they respond to steroids. That's, there, there's your three out of the four right there. Potassium iodide is kind of a treatment. Does anybody use that? Some, yeah, does it seem to, is it easy to get, easy to use, adding a drop a day? This lady with her 15 or, you know, page long of med list, we just weren't gonna be able to do it. I actually had to write a letter to the military to get this lady's daughter out of Osaka, Japan to come back and take care of her because, and the one she did, she was, man, it was months. We were doing IM steroids, she, oral steroids wouldn't fix her. IM would because she was compliant. Uh, and then finally her daughter came home and bam, she cleared up like that. You can do prednisone, systemic, or local. It's okay to try to put a little five milligrams, milliliter kinolog in these things. SSKI, potassium iodide, colchicine, which really was helpful for her because it gave her diarrhea, but she was constipated all the time. Endomethacin, dapsone, cyclosporin, etretinate, pentoxifiline. We tried anything. Minocycline even. Uh, don't stop looking for the cause, okay, because there is that uh, malignancy out there. Hey, doc. I went to my podiatrist the other day and he told me I had melanoma and took a biopsy of me right about here. And uh, they said the diagnosis was inconclusive, whatever that means. And now he's got me set up with a plastic surgeon and they're gonna take a big wedge out of here and then and a flap from my hip and put it on and it's not gonna make me walk funny for the rest of my life. What do you think? Anybody? KOH, this is actually a culture. We did a KOH, comes up with some black hyphae here. This is tinea nigra. 
Thank God, <laughs> right? Didn't have that melanoma on the bottom of the foot. Starts out with a hyperpigmented macule, usually occurs on the palms and the soles. Inoculation from a contaminated source. This is more common, Gulf of Mexico region, but also all the way up the East Coast. Uh, ladies, again, good job, three to one. More common in young people who visit beaches. Hyperhidrosis can be a risk factor. Treat with topical antifungals, keratolytics, removes the color, and that guy was unbelievably happy. He wasn't gonna have to have his foot um, partially removed there. Hey doc, my skin has always been fine. I've always just had nice, pretty skin, but lately, this past month, man, I just put on Curel, I'm putting on Vaseline, I'm putting on, oh, what's that stuff they put in the bath? Uh, you know, baby oil in the bath, I'm soaking. I can't get my skin to be soft and smooth again. And what do you think about my back? It's itching like crazy. Well, we got a little biopsy. Y'all can see it uh, kind of marked over here. I never know which one, what do you want me to go to, left or right? This is obnoxious. Um, we got a little biopsy here, it came back spongiotic dermatitis. Uh, I am shot of Kinelog, cleaned up all this erythema, okay? And he said his itch was better. Uh, but then he called back like two weeks later and said, man, that one knot though on my back is really starting to get bigger. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, he had a deep fungal infection. He's been scratching. He's doing all this other stuff to his skin. Lord knows what else he's putting on. So I got a little biopsy right here, sent it to the pathologist. Pathologist called me about two days later and said, hey, uh, we're going to have to send this thing out. We don't know what's going on here. Some kind of a malignancy. We can't figure it out. Send it to the uh, uh, hematopathic, uh, hematodermatologist down in, uh, hey, Dr. Merritt, who's down in San Antonio? Are you still in here? Dermatopath? Oh, okay. Um, Anyway, sent that down there. She called up, wanted me to get another biopsy. Look, this is one week later. I took a huge plug out of this thing. Look how fast it came back. They got another big six millimeter punch all the way down to the sub-Q there. Uh, gave it to her and it came back as some kind of a B-cell lymphoma. I took this side picture here just to kind of show uh, the elevation of this thing and the necrosis of the center. Okay, sent them to oncology, into the story, right? But. Why didn't I clue on it in the first time with the acquired ichthyosis? We're not supposed to turn into fishes, okay? We can be born like that. Most of the time, it's a hereditary kind with autosomal dominant uh, genetic disorder, most common form of ichthyosis, counting for 95%. But the acquired kind, which I should have picked up on the first time, marker for system systemic disease and malignancy. My lightsaber's gonna fall off here. Uh, can be lymphoma, sarcoidosis, leprosy, thyroid disease, hyperparathyroidism, nutritional disorders. I've got another guy right now whose wife just passed away two years ago. He came in just as skinny as a rail, and now he's just ichthyotic, and he was pointing to some stuff. He's like, hey, I got this little rash on my belly here, and you look at his back, and he's just ichthyotic all the way down. Hopefully, he's just going to have a nutritional disorder we'll be able to fix pretty easily. He's not cooking for himself anymore. Or excuse me, his wife's not cooking for him anymore. Can be chronic renal failure, bone marrow transplantation, HIV. Can just be lots of things. SLE, dermatomyositis, nicotinic acid, haloperidol, cimetidine, clofamazine, which is a medication you treat uh, leprosy with. Basically, you treat the underlying disease and the ichthyosis will go away. We're not supposed to turn into fishes. Hey, doc. My whole life I've had eczema, and I never can get it cleared up. My teeth did not fall out until I was 16, my baby teeth, and they were just rotten out pretty much that time. Uh, the only thing that seems to help is oral steroids. Uh, my hair fell out when I was about mm, early teenage years. Uh, I've always had 
bad fingernails, bad toenails, and I itch. Anybody? Also, recurrent sinus infections, pneumonia. Bunch of other stuff here. Job syndrome, hyper IgE. Do some blood work, comes back. Her IgE was uh, over 6,000, can be high as 50,000. Usually it's between, it's like 10 to 100, uh, depending on how they, what, what lab you use. But we don't know what gene causes it. This lady was actually adopted, so we don't know her family history. Can't say her dad had it, didn't have it. You get recurrent skin abscesses, pneumonia, pneumatocele, high levels of uh, IgE, some facial, skeletal, dental anomalies. Uh, these people are what's classified as a coarse facies. A lot of times their brow is lower and a little bit thicker. Their intranasal path, uh, uh, space is a little bit wider, okay? Mortality from severe infections, more commonly, affects all races, men equal women. Diagnosis usually delayed until adulthood, uh, but symptoms present in children. So now the trick is to go back and you get the parents that come in with your little chronic atop that you can't handle, right? And start looking at them. Hey, do they have some of these symptoms also? You know, this is a genetic thing. Moderate eczema doesn't matter about the season. Cold, summer, winter, whatever, it doesn't seem to matter. You get these skin abscesses with, uh, without heat, you know, big, uh, you know, cysts looking things, but just uh, these abscesses, uh, but their immune system doesn't respond to them normally. So you get chronic onychomycosis, oral candidiasis, pneumonia, pneumatocele development, retained primary teeth, non-eruption of permanent teeth, double rows of teeth, scoliosis, multiple fractures, this is all just kind of typical things for them. No definitive treatment, very unfortunate. Uh, treat infections longer than you would expect. IND the abscesses followed by IV antibiotics. Maybe cyclosporin to just decrease the amount of inflammation that they have and make them feel better for a while at least. You're gonna have to consult a bunch of people. Allergist, infectious disease, orthopedic consults. Our lady right now is controlled with methylprednisolone. That's still the only thing that's really helping her out. Uh, she's got a recessive type. And if you noticed all those little bumps on her earlier, those are actually all molluscum. There's a recessive type which not, is not quite as involved, not quite as bad. Hey, Doc. <laughs> this, this guy came in for one of those peekaboo exams, you know? He's like, all right, you're gonna look a little bit here, you're gonna look a little bit here. Here's my leg, you know, and here's your spot on my back. Oh, God, what? <laughs> How long has that thing been there? And he was honest. He was like, well, you know, it might have been there 10 years. I, I keep it covered. Uh, my wife doesn't even know what's back there. Your wife doesn't know what's back there? Y'all married? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this guy gets a, a, his, his bed, right? I don't know how he does this. He, he, he must be going through bandages, like just bukus of them. So he lays band-aids, uh, like you know, those big square ones down, and then lays down in the bed and then rolls around it to get this thing covered, all right? So we need a biopsy, right? So over here about three o'clock, see that little pedunculated lesion that's sticking out? I go ahead and shave that off. He can't feel anything. It just it, it wouldn't, you know, I just got my blade and, you know, cut it off right there. Wow, did it bleed. Man, 
You ever get your hyphricator, your desiccator, and you turn it up to Ghostbuster power and you're, you know? I was like wanting someone else to come and we could cross the streams to get this thing to stop bleeding. We put thrombin on it, we put dry saw, we held pressure. Finally, uh, we injected it with some lidocaine and epinephrine, which I probably should have done in the first place, but he couldn't feel anything. That kind of slowed things down, gave a little bit of vasoconstriction. Uh, sent him to general surgery. This turned out to be a big basal cell carcinoma. He did not show up uh, the first time, um, but he worked at a local store. One of the nurses happened to be going by there the other day, and he ended up going. Okay, so the outside of the box thing on this, this has been there for 10 years, right? Multiple Band-Aid changes during the day. It bled like stink when I was there. How come I didn't get a CBC? This guy was so anemic and so tired all the time. It's one of the reasons he didn't make his appointment. And his hemoglobin was like six. He just barely was just kind of making it around. He's making it through the day. I should have thought about that. We should have kind of uh, had an idea. Maybe that would have, you know, he ended up, his surgery got delayed because he had to go and have blood transfusion beforehand. You know, so it was delayed a couple of days. The surgeon was kind of upset. But anyway, transfuse uh, when it's above 10, rarely. Uh, almost always when it's below six. The six to 10 is a little bit of a gray area depending on the surgeon and what kind of surgery they're gonna have. Do you ever have those atopic patients you just can't clear? You know, there's usually some kind of a home life change. Maybe they're living with the grandma or they're with the dad this week and with the mom that week. Well, this little young man had that. He's living with his grandmother, but his grandmother came in every single appointment, never missed any, uh, knew, what it was, knew what was going on. You know, he had multiple topicals we were trying, oral steroids, bleach baths, oral antibiotics, antihistamines. Uh, I think we sent him to an allergist once. I mean, we just, we were working this kid up, trying to get him clear, trying to get him clear, and he never would. He just would not clear up. Came in with big open sores all the time. And one of the funniest little kids in the world, we, you know, we have balloons at our office. We give the kids after they're done. He never wanted helium in his because he didn't want to lose it, you know? So he's running around the office with this little balloon dragon behind him. Speaking of running around the office, that's really most of what he did. He was hard to control, hard to get to sit still, hard to evaluate, you know? I mean, he just was always all over the place. Till one day, he went to his pediatrician. His pediatrician put him on some Ritalin. Diagnosed him with ADD, ADHD. The kid came back a month later, completely cleared. Most people with ADD, then the second one, have also got some other developmental behavior problem. This little boy right here had some obsessive tendencies about his skin, a little bit of a compulsive trait. Whatever he did, he would scratch before he did it. I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna eat, okay? I'm gonna take a bath, I'm gonna take a bath. That's just what he did. He just scratched, couldn't control it no matter what we put on him. He's perfectly fine now and um, a lot better. You know, he has still got a little bit of eczema, still a little bit of dry skin, but nowhere near what he was anymore or what he used to be. <clears throat> Inattentiveness, overactivity, impulsivity. Those are stuff here y'all can read. Usually there's uh, symptoms before the age of seven in two or more settings. So he was doing the same thing at his house as he was at the office. Hey, Doc, I've got these little sores in my head. And I don't know what they are, but they're just little bumps and they hurt and they've been there now for a couple of weeks. And I keep thinking it's gonna heal and it doesn't. No meds, no allergies. Have you traveled recently? Yeah, I just came back from uh, oh, Belize a couple of weeks ago. And you get down there, you start looking at these things and they're moving. Ugh. <laughs> All right, who's got this one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cut them out. 
Yeah, that, that was her. <laughs> that was her reaction right there too. That was in my head. Yeah. So the bot fly or myiasis, uh, parasitic larvae of the bot fly. The cool thing about these is it's vectored by probably 40 different insects. Now the bot fly doesn't actually necessarily have to land on you and put the larvae in you. It'll grab a mosquito, grab another fly, up to 40 other little vectors. Okay, put that larva on them. Then that little mosquito goes and bites you and the larva drop off, start growing in your scalp or your skin or your, your it's usually a scalp, but you can be anywhere. Uh, larva have spines, which cause these painful nodules. It takes eight weeks for them to develop and then they'll drop out. So you don't have to do anything. Just live with it for a couple of months. It's okay. Yeah, they're gonna go for that. Now, it usually doesn't cause any kind of infection, just pain, you can cut it out, you can smother them with Vaseline because they got this little snorkel that kind of comes up and down that, that, where they breathe. You can do vacuum extraction with a venom extractor. Um, but you know, you're gonna tell somebody, hey, you've got some bugs in your head. You, oh, let's smother it. No, God, get it out, cut it. And that's exactly what she wanted to do. We cut it, put a couple of stitches. She ended up being fine, just totally grossed out and probably mentally scarred for the rest of her life. Hey doc. I've got this cyst back here on my ear that just, it, 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 it's not hurting, but it's growing and, and my wife has been trying to mash it and get it out and I can't get it out. Would you please just nick it and drain it? Anybody? It looks like anything, right? Merkel cell, big one. It can look like just about anything, all right? Arises from uncontrolled growth of Merkel cells in the skin. Rare skin cancer, about 40 times less common than melanoma. Merkel cells are really scattered around the uh, body as slow adaptive touch receptors. No definitive appearance. Painless, firm, fresh colored to red, blue bump. All right, just a bump on the skin. Usually sun exposed. This is a white man disease, pretty much. Usually over the age of 65, fair skin, history of extensive sun exposure, maybe chronic immune system. Not that great of a survival rate, 50, 70%, two years. Regional lymph node, node metastasis, common. Send patients to oncology for staging. Sometimes this can actually mimic like a small cell carcinoma with lungs. Uh, that's a met. We, uh, at our office, we do Mohs surgery and then, uh, and, and then send, them to, send them to oncology for any other staging. We make sure they're all cut out though. Women seem to have a little bit more favorable outcomes than men. Way to go, girls. Okay, very unfortunate young man right here. Um, can't touch him hardly. Just gotta wrap everything up. This is a hand, okay. That's a knee with a bunch of squamous cell all around it. That's the other hand. This little nub down here is the thumb that he uses to play video games. It's pretty much his uh, major enjoyment right there. Sacrum, or the, kind of the hip area right here. This was biopsied as a uh, Veruca. Uh, we, I think we biopsied again, came back squame. Another little view there of his bottom. Epidermolysis bullosa. Inherited bullous disorder characterized by blister formation due to any kind of mechanical trauma. Simplex, most common. Might not have anything except little scars and some milia. Junctional, a little bit more uh, involved in this. This guy had a recessive dystrophic type, which the sublaminal densa becomes separated. Now that's basically just a little membrane on the bottom of the basement of the, uh, the basement membrane, okay? So the uh, lamina lucida and sublamina densa is just a little membrane, kind of like on the basal skin layer. Not very common, 50 cases per 1 million live births. 
You do a biopsy, you send it for immunofluorescence, they can tell you uh, kind of, I guess it's a blistering disease, nothing else. You send it for electron microscopy, they can exactly tell you where it's blistering, blistering so you can get the simplex, the junctional, or the dystrophic. Uh, requires a multidisciplinary approach. Complications in infancy or infections, sepsis a lot of times, and this recessive, you know, dystrophic kind like this, this man had. Um, do not apply any adhesives to the skin. It's just going to make things worse. Most commonly, uh, what they're going to pass away from is squamous cell carcinoma uh, mets from the skin. This is his face right here with his little uh, hands bandaged up. Everybody notice the discoloration? Yeah. So he also had argyria. Results from prolonged contact or ingestion of silver salts. This became popular again to ingest them around the year 2000. We're all worried about Y2K. There was some guy who was running for Senator of Montana, John Smith. Or anybody from Montana? Montana Knight? What are you, a Montanian or Montana Knight? Okay. Anyway, there's this senator that ran, and he started ingesting this stuff. He was worried that after the year 2000, antibiotics weren't going to be available anymore. And uh, so he started doing this, the blue man. But you can get it just from topical uh, sylvidine. Seems to be black, gray, blue, gray, staining of the skin, mucous membranes. The hyperpigmentation is most apparent on the sun-exposed areas, especially the forehead, nose, hands. So the sun kind of activates it or kind of turns it darker. Not harmful but seems to be disfiguring, can be socially devastating. Uh, each gram of sylvidine contains about 10 mi milligrams of micronized silver sulfidine. Uh, nothing to do to really treat it. If you'll ever have a patient that comes in the office, I've seen case reports of people having a dermabrasion to kind of remove it that they said helped out some. Hydroquinone, topical camouflage, uh, avoidance of the sun. Don't use sylvidine in people with sulfa allergy, just by the way. <clears throat> this is a cute little girl right here. We started seeing several years ago, came in with a history of psoriasis that was just not able to be cleared up with topical steroids. She's got this on her knees. We start looking at her hands, uh, start looking at the bottom of her feet. Didn't really hurt, it's kind of sore. Anybody got this one? I heard it. PRP, Pteroriasis rubra pilaris. Chronic papula squamous disorder characterized by reddish orange scaly plaques, palmoplantar keratoderma. Keratotic follicular papul papules or the nutmeg grater. That's kind of the giveaway, and if y'all do a little biopsy on it, which you probably will need to make your diagnosis, you need to get one of those little hair follicles because what the uh, pathologist sees around it really helps them out. I've actually biopsied one before, and we totally missed it. It came back as psoriasis because I did not get like a little hair follicle. I didn't get enough for the uh, pathologist to make the diagnosis. May progress to erythroderma with areas of uninvolved skin. Uh, you get these little islands of sparing. Everybody just imagine a red person, scaly red person with a bunch of just normal little skin scattered around them. That is a typical adult pityriasis ruba pilaris. Male versus female is pretty much equal. There's five types and an HIV type. There's always an HIV. Classic adult, over 50% of the patients. Most of them benign. Uh, of course, 80% of them are gone in three years. Okay, good news for those people. That's the most common. Then you get the atypical kind. Lesions are ichthyotic, eczematous. They can have some alopecia. Those might take like 20 years to go away, but they usually start slowly burning themselves out too. There's the classical juvenile, which looks more like the classic adult, uh, which is about 10% of the total cases you're going to see. They just get red, islands of sparing, uh, and slowly go away. Then there's the circumscribed juvenile PRP with about 25% of the cases where you get these sharply demarcated areas of follicular hyperkeratosis, erythema of the knees and elbows, some regress in teens, and I'm hoping that's what's going to happen 
uh, for my little patient. She doesn't exactly fit any of these, but then there's this atypical juvenile PRP, which is 5%. Early onset, runs a chronic course, not much you can do. You get the DX from the BX. So you make a biopsy on here to get the diagnosis. You treat the itch with steroids, might be do some vitamin D, topical retinoids. UVB might be helpful. Uh, or retinoids do work, but they take a while, okay? My little girl has been on isotretinoin now for eight years. Uh, she comes in once a month, and you should have seen it whenever we started iPledge. Her mom, trying to explain to her that she's going to have to come and prove that she's not pregnant every month, went irate. Okay, so this, she's one of those that kind of falls out of the gap. Uh, but she's doing really good. Okay, uh, her growth level, her, her growth chart, she's still in her growth chart. She's normal. Uh, this was just a couple of months ago. I told her I was going to, we were going to talk about her and, and uh, make her famous. Uh, so this is her hands, uh, bottom of her feet. She's just got some normal little callus now. So she's doing, she's... Uh, probably about 110 pounds, and she does 10 milligrams of isotretinoin every day, missing the weekends. Uh, whenever she's, she's recently started uh, menses and everything, so hopefully we're, we tried to back her down, but it seems like she's, it uh, started wanting to come back, so uh, we're gonna see if we can't keep her on it, and hopefully it'll just start all keep fading, fading away with, uh, as she goes into her teenage years. Hey doc, I got ringworms, right? I don't itch a whole lot, but they're just there, and they're all over my body. And I'm doing my voice like that because she smoked two packs a day. Hey, Doc! <laughs> Erythema annularis centrifugum. This is one of those that, God, you hate to see it, because when it comes in, it can be anything. It's a hypersensitivity reaction. This is enlarging pink erythematous pruritic rings, the trailing scale, central clearing, or... It can be deep, non-paritic, and non-scaling. So you just got a bunch of rings all around people. Uh, sometimes linked to an underlying disease and conditions, often none can be found, which is uh, the fun part right there, trying to run these things down. Can be infectious, autoimmune, viral, malignancy. I hate it when it's malignancy. Medications, food. Have you been eating blue cheese lately? How about tomatoes? Pregnancy, are you pregnant? That'd be great. Do a dipstick and you find out they're pregnant. Stress, etc. just about anything. Mean duration's about 11 months, but may, might have recurrence for years. Get the best H&P you can. And I actually, on um, this patient, took my computer in there and I was just like, look, this is everything it could be. You see anything that you're positive for? You know, because I didn't want to miss anything. Uh, labs. Starting with KOH, Lyme, ANA, PPD, CBC, CMP, blah, blah, blah. Just do it all, okay? Especially if you can kind of, if, they, if on their H&P they start giving you any clues. Uh, treatment directed at the primary cause. Topical steroids might help out with some of the itch. Systemic steroids do help. They might have to be on long-term use though. This is, you know, the average can be like 11 months. This lady came back. This is the out of the box thing, okay? She came back with a serum sodium of like 126. So I call her on the phone. Hey, what's going on? Did you have diarrhea when you came in, when you did this? We checked your thyroid. That's normal. Have you been throwing up? Are you making yourself gag? What's going on? You got any liver problems? Sleeping on a bunch of pillows? Uh, how many times did you get up at night to go pee? I started just asking her any question I could think about. She ended up with, just by exclusion, most likely SIADH, where your posterior pituitary, when it senses a low volume starts to make vasopressin or antidiuretic hormone to tell your kidneys start reabsorbing some of that water. We don't have enough water in our system. Don't let it go, pull it back. That's what gives you the uh, hyponatremia or the low sodium. It's just actually a dilution. So some of the causes of that. 
carcinoma, bronchogenic CNS disease, trauma, infections, strokes, Guillain-Barre, delirium tremens, multiple sclerosis, pulmonary disease, other drugs, maybe post-operatively. So, with a limited history that y'all know about her now, well, back. She ended up with a small cell carcinoma of the lung coming in with a little uh, erythematous rash that she thought was ringworms. Hey doc, uh, my belly button itches and I scratch it and uh, it seems like it oozes a lot of times. No big deal, you got it in your forehead, you got it in your scalp, you know, in the genital area, in the groin, nope, just right here. And there's kind of like a little knot that if I push on it hurts some. Anybody seen Sister Mary Joseph's nodule before? That's what that is. It's not, I mean, it's not real specific. It's just kind of like a little bump that's around there. This was the guy's primary, he had no idea. Cutaneous metastasis. Rapidly developing asymptomatic nodules or tumors without an epidermal connection. We got a little punch biopsy on that thing and uh, turned out to be colon cancer that was spreading. It can spread via instrumentation during surgery or most commonly through the lymphatics, can spread through the blood vasculature, or the body cavity, like the peritoneal cavity. You can have a little colon cancer. It can just kind of work its way up. Uh, normally the malignancy is known, but sometimes it's not. Now my next guy here uh, did know that he had renal cell carcinoma. Uh, he was undergoing treatment. It didn't seem to be very helpful, uh, but he had a big nodule and he wanted us to just, could you just remove the nodule, okay? Can you just make it so I can at least go to the park with my wife or go shopping? You know, I can't go around looking like this all the time. So we obliged, we did make sure that's exactly what it was, was renal cell carcinoma. Uh, shaved it off, did a little kind of curating on the, on the base of it, some hyphricating, and it bled like stink. A uh, month later, came back, really aggressive, growing uh, tumor. So, okay, let's shave it off again. I understand, you know, you wanna be able to go out, you don't wanna have this thing on your face. A uh, month later, came back. Well, okay, we'll shave it off, we'll do this. How's your treatment going? Have they do anything else for you? No, 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 they're still just kind of maxing me out on chemotherapy and everything. It just nothing was working for him. Ended up the last time I saw him, uh, he had this, and I believe we sent him for radiation then. Uh, you know, and this is all like a three month period of, uh, period of time. I mean, this is how fast these things can grow, all right? And prognosis is not really good. How are we doing on time here? So most commonly, kidney, stomach, breast, most common in practice, uh, just like Dr. Merritt was saying, he finds it a couple times a year. Uh, lung, most common in men. Uh, what seems to metastasize to the face more is kidney. Uh, you can have uterus, large intestines with that uh, Sister Mary Joseph's. There's a high mortality rate associated with this like you would expect. You ever seen Green Mile? Remember John Coffey? The big guy came into my office, hey doc. I'm turning to Michael Jackson. What do you mean you're turning to Michael Jackson? Thinking about that guy, no, 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 no. You're not turning to Michael Jackson. Most people already probably know this diagnosis. This is kind of more of a common one. I got little spots all over me. I'm turning white. Quite a few of them. The itch, no. Burn, no. Eh, sometimes they itch a little bit. They just feel dry, but not really bad. Any health problems, no. Biopsy, 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 biopsy. We must have done eight, 10 of them trying to find it, and finally we got it. Hypopigmented mycosis fungoides, cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. Has everybody seen that one? That one's pretty common. Uh, the hypopigmented version is more common in younger people and African-Americans. Uh, more common blacks than whites. Uh, most common age is 50 years. There's four presentations for MF. You can have the patch, 
which is what this guy had. You can have the plaque, which can be start having some elevations with some fine scale. And that plaque doesn't have to, the whole thing doesn't have to be elevated. You're kind of like trying to feel for induration, okay? You might have a little bit of a normal, normalcy in the middle, maybe the ring, maybe the outside ring is uh, elevated. So this is one of the times you need to just kind of feel over the skin too. Or you can have a tumor stage, this erythematous nodules, ulcerating, and when they get here, it's less than a five-year survival. Uh, on the patch stage, if there is less than 10% body surface involvement, there's only like a 2% chance they're gonna die with it. It's a very low incidence that it's gonna change into something else. If it goes over 10%, there's like about a 24, 25% chance that the uh, mycosis fungoides is gonna progress maybe to plaque tumor stage. <coughs> Not sure what causes it. Usually recalls multiple biopsies for the diagnosis. And the pathologist needs to know that's what you're looking for also. It's just not an easy thing to diagnose. You can throw in a CBC, ask for cesary cells, which are little T memory cells that are, that are abnormal enlarged. You have to kind of tell them that you're looking for that. Check for lymph nodes. Treat with topical steroids can help. Narrowband UVB, specifically for my patient here with the patch stage, was, uh, was, was effective. There's multiple other treatments that you can do, but I'm just trying to talk about the hypopigmented version here. This is a lady that uh, her PCP was seeing for a while, treating with that wonderful Lotrazone that they just love so much. Uh, didn't seem to make anything better, and she was just picking, 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 picking. Uh, you know, and so she kind of left our office with a diagnosis of paragonodularis because it was really just an involved in areas that she could touch on her, uh, on her chest. You can see her bra kind of spared right there, and she just clawed at herself all day long. Systemic steroids didn't seem to help. Uh, topical steroids didn't seem to make anything better either. So what do you do? You do a biopsy, right? Man, this thing was full of, uh, of tinea, and it's just not. I'm gonna go back and look at this original one on the face too. I mean, it's just not what you typically think of, you know, these big nodules on the face. There's no scale, uh, you know, no ulceration or anything like that. Just Looks like parago nodules, really. So biopsy came back loaded full of fungus. She wasn't immunosuppressed, except hello, what we had done. Uh, most commonly on the legs of young women, persons using topical steroids immunosuppressed presents as pyritic nodules or plaques. KOH negative, and we did do one of them the first time she came in, but it's it's deep in the hair follicle or in the shaft of the hair. Uh, doesn't always turn positive. It's it's more difficult to see. You got to do oral antifungals for a good four to six weeks to really clear up. And she did. She cleared up fine. This person had had a biopsy on their back that came back as a nevus, a blue nevus. This is kind of a quick one here, uh, and then it returned about six, seven years later, actually turned out to be melanoma presenting in a blue nevus. The only point here is if even though you've got pathological evidence that something is one thing, uh, if it changes, grows, comes back, please feel free to biopsy it again. Uh, this was a very, very deep, very invasive melanoma. Cellular blue nevus, blue or black nodules located usually on the upper buttocks, lower back, can be present in birth. Uh, females more than men. Average age seems to be in the clinic, seems about 40 years, can be very deep and invasive. Do what? The first one was a punch. The second one was a deep shave, and we didn't get to the bottom of it. Uh, this person right here had granuloma annulare. 
Not that bad of a diagnosis. A lot of times you can treat it pretty easily. We treated it with uh, systemic steroids, didn't help. IM steroids, didn't help. Topical, nah, it's not gonna do anything. Intralesional, didn't help. So we, then we start going outside. We tried Trintol, we tried Colchicine, Minocycline, we tried all the usual kind of anti-inflammatory things. And then we stopped at hydroxychloroquine, Plaquenil, seemed to clear him up for about six months or so. And then he presented with this, these dark, annular kind of little pigmented rings on his body. I wanted to know what it was. I had never seen this before. Uh, actually it turned out to be hydroxychloroquine staining. You know, you think about amiodarone, you think about minocycline, but Plaquenil can stain the skin also. Bluish gray discoloration, uncommon side effect. Little information exists regarding the duration of this chromia. Does not, be, does not appear to be related to the cumulative dose. Just happens in some people. It's the only person I've seen it in. Hey doc. That Accutane that you got my daughter on is giving her a rash. Well, okay, you know, put some moisturizers on her, you know, I'll see her back next month, tell her don't become sexually active, use two forms of birth control. No, 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 no. This rash is all over her, and it's on her, it's on her arms, it's on her back, it's on her legs, it's on her face some. Really? Well, bring her in, let's see what it is. Now, you know, this is one of those easy kind of like work-ins, okay, here's some trimacinol and go home. And I'm looking at it like, golly, really? What did I, didn't do psoriasis on this person or something like that? You know, this is not one of those things that is uncommon, but uncommon presentation. I don't see, there was no initial macule, okay? I don't see any Christmas tree distribution, but right here, okay, is your tip off. Only one little spot that's got any scale on it. Everybody got that one? Yeah? Pityriasis rosea, just not something, it's just, just a bad presentation. Might be the herpes 6-7 virus, non-contagious. Uh, usually you see a herald patch, annular erythematous patches, trailing scale, that Christmas tree, occasionally pyritic. We, you know, I, I tell my patients a lot of times, kind of like uh, under my breath, uh, light therapy might help that go away. What? You go to a tanning booth and make everything go away a little bit faster. <clears throat> You're telling me to go to a tanning booth? No, 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 no. <laughs> but it does help. Um, anyway, how about this one right here? Guy came in, man, doc, uh, for 10, 15 years maybe, I've been getting little bitty uh, bumps on my hands, bottom of my feet, my brother's got them, my mom's got them, and my mom's are really long. She's in a, she's a nursing home now, she can barely even walk. Well, let's see your feet. Wow, okay, uh, what have you tried? Well, I've filed them, I've soaked them, I've done all this kind of stuff. Uh, tell me how you grew up. You said your mom has this, your brother has this, yeah. Uh, did you ever drink any well water? Well, yeah, we had well water. Um, arsenic, you ever been exposed to arsenic? Not that I know of. So we ended up doing a little biopsy because arsenic from well water or how we used to treat asthma a long time ago, tincture of arsenic uh, and something called Fowler's solution was a treatment for a lot of different conditions, all the way from uh, asthma, atopic dermatitis. It's kind of concerned about on this guy, I did a little biopsy, they usually could see arsenic under the skin. He didn't have it. What he actually ended up having was just a punctate keratosis of the palms and soles. There is a hereditary form with an autosomal dominant uh, inheritance, and that's really what he has. The age of onset, it starts a little bit later in life. Men seem to get it more than women. Therapy is usually unsatisfactory. 
possibly associated with an esophageal carcinoma. That's most likely probably just background noise from maybe some of the malignancies that you get uh, with arsenic contamination. There's four categories of this, palmar plantar keratodermos. There's diffuse, focal, punctate, palmar plantar ectodermal dysplasia. And this is kind of hard. It's kind of hard to categorize these people, really. You know, I'm just happy he had the hereditary form. I sent him to GI, get him checked out. Put him on uh, some sorotain, just a low dose to see if I couldn't just help thin those things out and uh, had, hadn't seen him back. Hey doc, I've got uh, a liver transplant scheduled, but they're not gonna do it because I got this rash on my back. What, what, what's the liver? You got cirrhosis, you got the alcoholic cirrhosis, you know, cirrhosis, what, what's the deal? No, 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 I got that, I got that, uh, uh, oh, who's that guy off of Dennis the Menace? Uh, Mr., 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 Mr. Wilson. I got that Wilson's, Wilson's disease. Wilson's disease, really? So, problem with copper? Yeah, 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 I got to, look, look at my eyes. These brown rings around my eyes. Well, I'll be dang, I've never seen the Kaiser Fleischer rings before. That's pretty cool. Let's look, let's look at your rash. Whoa! Man, this is, is this hurt? No. Painful? No. Itching? No. It's just kind of here. It, it bothers me some because my clothes rub on it. He's got a little peg tube there. Uh, you know, but it, it's, it's, not a, it's not bad, but I just got to get cleared up before I can have surgery. They're telling me I've got an infection. It's a good close-up here of it. Anybody? This is not common at all. Elastosis perforans or pigeonosa. You actually get the collagen, okay, and the elastic fibers. Your body starts extruding them through the skin, just pushing them out, making like a granulomata formation around them. <clears throat> Excuse me, 65% of the time, it's from nothing. It's just, it's just there. More common in young adults, men more than women, four to one. Spontaneous resolution, six months, five years. 30% are associated with some kind of a fibrous tissue anomaly like uh, Ehlers-Danlos, Marfan's, uh, scleroderma, osteogenesis imperfecta. This particular patient was on penicillamine as a binder for the excess copper in his system, and that is the only medication that's known to do this thing. Stopped his, uh, stopped his penicillamine. I think they treat him with like another, there's like a zinc that you can use to, to uh, bind to copper. He got better and he's going for his liver transplant. So just a really rare thing right there. The treatment for it's not very successful. LN2, CO2, YAG, pulse dye, topical Tazerac has been tried at one point that people flared after they stopped it. Um, so your guess is as good as mine on this one. This is kind of a tough thing. Hey, Doc, uh, I got these yellow knots coming up on the side of my head, and, uh, and they're really starting to show. They've been there for a pretty good while, but now it's, uh, they're kind of bothering me. And you can feel of them. They're kind of indurated right there. I didn't know what this thing was. Uh, it almost looks like cholesterol deposits, right, under the skin. Pretty much just on the head and neck in this patient, though. Something called necrobiotic xanthogranuloma. Slowly progressive histiocytic disease, often associated with some kind of a paraproteinemia where the bone marrow is just making one more protein than the other one. 80% of these will, uh, excuse me, and 80%, 10% of them will actually end up developing some kind of multiple myeloma. Uh, average onset when they're 60s or in the seventh decade, send them to ophthalmology because they can actually have those things back in their eyes too. And this really, I'm just going to take one more peek of that. And that, it's, it's really striking. You know, when you see somebody come in, you think some kind of a metastatic process, but actually just an infiltration of some histiocytes. 
diagnosis with a biopsy, sent him to oncology and ophthalmology. Oncology works him up, does the SPEP, UPEP, bone marrow biopsy. Everything came back to be fine on this guy. Now we're treating him for other types of skin cancers. Um, treatment is directed at the paraproteinemia. You can do some systemic steroids to decrease some of the proliferative of growth phase. Chlorambucil, which is a, a chemotherapy medication, plasmapheresis, radiation for the eye lesions, or excision. I offered, you know, the setting up with one of the surgeons and kind of cut a couple of these out so they weren't so noticeable, but actually we're having a harder time keeping up with the squamous cell because he just worked outside all the time. Hey, Doc. <laughs> Everywhere I go, I got this mountain in front of me. What do I do? <laughs> um, well, uh, what is it? Anybody? I got that one? Been there forever, according to the patient. Just recently started to grow. You can even see it. He's looking at you. You can even see it on the upper eyelid. This ocular melanoma, we had to send this guy down to have a nucleation. Nothing to say about this one, but just, wow, I can't believe people wait so long to come in to see us. You know, it's just amazing. Uh, this is actually how I planned on ending today's lecture with this patient and a call for help because I can't, we don't, couldn't figure out what this was. Rule Merrill Carrier comes in, um, it's got a little squame up here, biopsy, figure that out. And then, oh, by the way, for the past year or so, my right arm has been shrinking and my left arm staying the same. I deliver mail, I use my right arm, you know, it's outside, it's getting a bit more use, but I don't, I, I can't tell, it's just, I, I wear long sleeve shirts all the time, I don't want anybody to see this, you know, weird discrepancy in my arms. Uh, blood pressure is normal, sensation's normal, strength is normal on both sides, ultrasound of her arm was fine, we did a little biopsy over there to make sure she didn't have some kind of a lupus paniculitis or anything like that. Um, 10 centimeters was the difference around here, you know? So anybody got a clue? Okay, we sent her to a neurologist and it seems to be amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Uh, very unusual presentation of Lou Gehrig's or ALS. Um, yeah, I saw her the other day for a suture removal for a little squame and uh, you know, she was just beside herself like, you know, I work six days a week. What am I, you know, when, when, what am I gonna do? You know, she's got visions of Stephen Hawkins and, her, uh, and being, you know, isolated to a wheelchair. So, if you hear hoof beats, could be a zebra, okay? And the only diagnosis we will never make is one we've never heard of or never seen, never thought of before. Thank you all for your attention. I appreciate it. I guess, I, I, guess, I don't know, are there any questions? I don't know. Are we right on time here? Good.